0: and welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Doug Engel. Doug is with the USDA ARS Western Wheat Quality Lab. Doug has worked for the Wheat Quality Lab for over 34 years now and will be retiring this coming June. His job title is Cultivar Development Manager and he works in a variety of capacities to keep samples and data flowing in the lab. Additionally, he works with many outside people and groups to assist in weak quality development in the p Hello, Doug. Hi, Drew. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Great to have you here. Lots of experience. Sounds like that will be leaving in not too long a period of time, so I'm sure that will be a major loss. Your description sounds like you do okay. a lot of different things, and from people I've talked to... Uh, you're credited for a lot of what goes on over there, the We Quality Lab. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? What what you actually do over there? The many well, hats I, you wear.
1: I kind of regard myself as kind of the, the center of the wheel. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of samples that flow through the lab, and a lot of data that flows through. And what I basically do is try and match up the the sample flow so people get the information they need in order to process samples in a timely manner. And also the, the data flow out of the lab so that, that the groups that use the data coming out of the lab can have it in a timely manner. And I also do quite a bit of analysis of the data so that uh, uh, so things like the cultivar development uh, uh, or uh, cultivar release uh, committee has uh, mm-hmm. the data for variety release. And I do the uh, preferred varieties pamphlet uh, data analysis. And so anyway, so these, these groups need the, the data that, that the lab produces, and I just help facilitate that whole, that whole process.
0: And they need it timely from what I've seen. You know, they collect the data, they harvest it, they send it off, and they want they want answers to make decisions on what moves forward. Uh, and so there is a lot of demand on you to do this right and do it quickly.
1: Oh, yeah. our, our Basically, our harvest period starts at about uh, right about the beginning of September. And uh, it, it pretty much goes through about the end of January. That, that's when the, the last last uh, piece of data that gets released for the preferred varieties pamphlet.
0: That's when the data they need for that. And that's it's a it's a pretty pretty
1: uh, going operation through that
0: period. Yeah, and it's it's more than just a single test, right? To come up with quality, there's a whole series of tests. So oh, yeah, you for must keep track of a lot of data from. Not for each variety. There's. A, a, a bunch of data points I would guess.
1: yeah we process about uh, four to five thousand samples a year so these are like basically one pound samples that's about the amount of grain that's in you know like in your like volume of your fist okay uh, one pound of grain and we mill that into flour uh, take the flour do some uh, some basic tests on uh, protein and, and uh, starch quality type type things and take that and take the flour and then bake it into either uh, cookies and cakes for soft wheat products or uh, bread and noodles for hard wheat products. And through this whole process, depending on whether it's hard or soft, exactly what it's intended for, uh, we'll produce somewhere around 30 pieces of data on every, every single line. And that's that's what a lot of I do, what I do in the lab is just help keep track of all that data, make sure the data is, is, is uh, good data. Uh, there are not a lot of you know uh, uh, flyers in the, in the data as far as uh, erroneous data. Um, just just a lot of a lot of number crunching.
0: Yeah, it sounds like uh, there would be because you know people think oh there's twenty different varieties out there, but to get to those twenty different varieties, what well, do they test two three thousand lines that you oh, have yeah. to look at to yeah. come up with those twenty? So that a lot of different varieties, a lot of different tests, a lot of different data. So the PNW WQC, the Pacific Northwest Wheat Quality Council. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? It's been it's been an ongoing project that's been one of the more
1: exciting things I've done uh, for the lab and with the lab uh, I mean the, the the lab has been uh, analyzing advanced generation lines for uh, with an industry cooperative program for since the beginning of the 70s uh, that's when we got our, our pilot scale meog uh, flour mill uh, that the the wheat commissions uh, helped to help the lab to get in order to do this type of work where you do this uh, cooperative work with with industry mm-hmm. And so we uh, uh, work with the breeding programs in the in the PNW, uh, basically all the both pub- public and private. Okay, and both. They of them. Uh, submit new uh, varieties that they're thinking about releasing or just have released, and we mill uh, essentially about 150 pounds of it or 120 pounds into flour. We take that flour and they distribute it. Right now, we've got about 25 cooperators. Uh, they'd be like other labs in the uh, in the PNW, their development labs, like we quality labs like ours. Um, there's about six uh, large milling companies that operate in the western U.S. They all get samples. And then we have several uh, baking companies, I think people like uh, Crustees and Nabisco um, and uh, General Mills that, uh, you know, have more, more of a baking oriented type companies. Right. And uh, everybody looks at the flower, at this, the flower samples that we send them out of this, this uh, a pilot scale milling. And uh, get together uh, at, a, at one meeting this year, we'll be meeting in Portland in January, where we uh, essentially go through like a round robin discussion about each one of these varieties and what are, are they the good things or maybe the bad things about them. And uh, since everybody's actually looked at them in their particular labs, uh, they have very technical data and they, they know exactly what they like or don't like about them and everybody's sitting in the room whether it's uh you know the quality labs that have to help help the breeders decide what's what's going on with these things the breeding programs are there uh the industry is there we have our overseas uh, some of our overseas uh, flour users or wheat users in the in the room you know along with all the, the milling companies essentially it's everybody along the the wheat, uh, the wheat supply chain—you know—from from breeding through end user—all in the same room and talking about wheat quality. And it's it's a pretty pretty good experience, and I've just been been proud that that uh, you know the lab's been been a leader in helping
0: us facilitate this whole discussion. Do you get a lot of diversity of opinions when you discuss a variety, or are most people on the same page when you discuss a variety? Most of the
1: time, people pretty much agree. I mean, you'll have different different types of industries that have different uses for uh you know whether it's hard or soft wheat you know they have they have their own markets that they're trying to to satisfy and though they may have a, a slightly different uh uh emphasis you know whether it's like dough strength for uh, uh, like bread wheat so maybe okay. maybe they have more of an emphasis on dough strength because they have customers that are really really uh, uh working more with the the dough aspect of, of that hard wheat versus others that are more of a, a bread uh, you know, baking type aspect, or maybe it's an artisan bread type aspect They're So they have slightly different visions of it of mm-hmm. and what, what they want to do with it. But at the end of the day, um, most of the time we, in fact, almost all the time, we pretty much agree what what's the good stuff and what's the bad stuff. Okay, It's the stuff in the middle. That's, that's always the interesting part. And what we do as a lab is take all these opinions and try and form the target and try and, and find out what the center of the target is. So we can take this information back to the variety release program, you know, release uh, committees mm-hmm. that, we, that we deal with, and,
0: uh, and give them some good advice. Okay, you've been with the wheat quality lab now for thirty four years. Have you seen a change in what people want in wheat quality or what wheat quality is? Has that changed over time, or has it been pretty consistent?
1: Fairly consistent. I mean, we've uh, we've always in this region. We've it's been kind of fun that we deal with both hard and soft wheat products. Um, so from, from that aspect, you know, um, it hasn't changed a lot as far as, uh, you know, what the, what the uses are. Uh, what's changed is the emphasis on quality. When I first got here in, in the early 80s, quality was important. Um, but uh, there, were, there was a lot of uh, growers and, 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 and actually viewpoints in the industry that, that, you know, we were growing calories, you know, calories to feed the world, which is a, a very noble thing to do. Um, but over the last, uh, 30 years or so, what's happened is that there's been other areas of the world that have, that are producing cheaper wheat than us now, particularly the Black Sea. And so, uh, you know, our, our marketing arm of the U.S. wheat industry, U.S. wheat, um, tells us that, you know, we need to emphasize the quality aspect of our wheat in order to keep our markets, um, which, uh, you know, the breeding programs have taken to heart and you see, Better quality getting getting released out of the, out of the variety of release committee meetings now.
0: So, how has cultivar development work impacted the PNW weed industry? Oh, uh, it's it's kept our markets,
1: and that's that's I guess that's one of the most important things. It's uh uh you know our our weed is viewed as as having high quality, and because of the work of the uh, breeding programs, their emphasis on on quality, uh, we we've we've kept that uh that that reputation and actually advanced it. I mean, it, if you look through our data over the last forty years. And uh, uh, we can see that quality has actually improved over the uh, you know the uh, aggregate of, of varieties that, that are available now. You can actually see incremental improvement from a from an actual uh, measurable quality standpoint.
0: Yeah, and that's really no small task because I've you know in Nebraska before I came here and here, there's always that tug of war between yield and quality, and sometimes yield wins out and quality takes a hit. But here uh, I get the sense that quality has really been a major driver. Yes, yield's important, but if you don't have this quality, you're not going to get the release. So that's been very good for this part of the world.
1: And, and their, their yield and quality are not mutually exclusive. I mean, the plant doesn't care. I mean, quality quality is all about polymers. We have polymers of starch, polymers of protein, and how these polymers behave uh, determine whether a, quality, a product is, is high quality or poor quality. The plant doesn't care what the composition of these these polymers are. I mean, it, it just needs them to grow. And what our job in the lab is is to to find the 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 types of the qualities of these of these polymers so that they do make uh, good products. And the plant really doesn't care whether they're they're good or bad.
0: Right. It's just doing what it does. It does what it does. <laughs> so, what's the most interesting development about wheat quality that you've been involved in since you've been at the wheat quality lab?
1: Uh, I think uh, uh, Dr. Craig Morris is our lab director. and Since he uh, was very first on board, he's he's always had a a high interest in uh, hardness of wheat. And uh, so one of his very early uh, uh, successes in the lab was to come up with the, uh, uh, along with actually with Dr. Uh, uh, Mike Giroux over in Montana Montana State, uh, they came up with the genetic mechanism of why hard wheat is hard and soft wheat is soft. And, uh, I mean, this is, that, was, that was a really exciting thing. It's, you know, from a, from a scientific standpoint, it's kind of like winning the Super Bowl. You know, that work where you actually figure out the genetic mechanism of how something works, I mean, you're going to be decided in, in everybody's work from now for the next 500 years, you know. Okay. So you're always going to remember it for that. And it's been exciting because Craig has taken that, um, that work of, of the investigation of hard and soft wheat and uh, over the last, basically the last 30 years, he's kept working with it. And what he did was he took um, the genetic reason of why a wheat is soft, and he actually put, took that and put it into a durum wheat. And uh, it, was, it was a very, very elegant uh, experiment that's, you know, it was basically, it was it was a non-commercial, just, you know, uh, let's try and make this thing tick kind of thing. And what he did is he took a little snippet of the, of the genetic code for uh, out of the D genome, Durham is an AB. Okay, the detail, the muddy details of this. Durums are an AB uh, genome, and the wheat is an ABD genome. And the D genome is what has this this uh, coding for the hardness. Okay. And so they took a little snippet of that, stuck it into Durham, and they all of a sudden now they have soft Durham. And so it's it's exciting because how many how many how often do you ever get a new wheat type? ever get produced and yeah. it's, you know so you get it in the ground level this and i've been kind of been kind of a passenger on the bus you know for the last 30 years looking at this okay and so you have uh, these soft durums now that that i call them the baking durums because durhams have historically been super hard so they all they really can do is is make what they call semolina out of them semolina is like a sandy size uh grind of the, uh, the particle size uh, for it and it makes great pasta well, um, in order to make a good like cookie or cake type type bread product or bake product, you need a much fl- finer flour. And so when you put the softness into durum, now you can mill durums as you do regular wheat and actually produce a good good quality flour that's not super high in starch damage. That's another important part of it. You mill durums into flour, you can get tremendous amount of starch damage. Well, now you now you can mill durums and get a low amount of starch damage, and you actually make baked products with them. And it's you know durums have, have stayed around in uh, uh, baking formulas for for millennia because people like the taste of the durum, that that yellow colorness of a durum is called flavonoids. It's, it produces a, a nice flavor to the to the product. Well, now you can have those flavonoids that, that flavor a durum. Into any kind of product, and it's it's been exciting. We've got some, you know, Craig has gotten some uh, traction with us from a commercial standpoint, and uh, you know, we're just gonna have to see where this thing's gonna go. You
0: know, it's 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 kind of exciting. Yeah, that does. Sound, it opens up a whole new realm for Durham that didn't exist before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So lots of interesting things going on over there. I'm sure they're gonna miss that 34 years of experience when you walk out the door. Um, you doing anything to help them make that transition? Because people with your type of experience just don't leave without there being an effect.
1: Well, we're going to try and and uh, we've got a transition uh, plan going on. Uh, so I'll I'll step out as a federal employee in June, and I'll I'll actually start a, a, a WSU state appointment, uh, three quarter time for two years.
0: Okay. This excellent. was a, this
1: was a, a a program that was generously supported by the the Washington Oregon Wheat Commissions in order to create this transition period. So hopefully we'll be able to hire my replacement and uh, get them on
0: board and like train them. Excellent, we should do more of that in the future. <laughs> Doug, thank you for spending some time with me today. I oh, really appreciate you. it. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app, so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review while you're there. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, please email me at drew.lion@wsu.edu. at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also reach out on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.